Welcome to the Ghostman Radio Station. And today I am talking to AJ Ensor. I think I might have said that right. Right, right. Now tell me a little bit about who you are and what you're about. You've got a lot of history over there, haven't you? Because of Salem and places like that. Right, right. Um, my correction on Salem, they didn't actually burn witches at the stake, they just hung them. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure they didn't mind at the time. You know, <laughs> it made a great difference to them, yeah. writing the book. book up so I
there's one on Facebook as well. And uh, when you come up on the website, it's a fairly simple one. If you want to read more about the book, you just have to hit the order button and the Amazon comes up. Yeah, it's got a good little bit about it. Right. It's got a little, little bit of a blurb, which is right. epic coming-of-age family event, action adventure. Twelve-year-old Luke is a reluctant hero who's forced to deal with circumstances beyond his control in a place he knows nothing about, a land of modern world has long forgotten. Join Luke Amende on a trip through the great hole in the wall into the Griffin Valley on a world wind voyage as Luke comes of age and his super action adventure for all ages. I like that little bird, but you, you've got the feeling for the book already. I've actually, I've sold 4,000 of them. Uh, That's good. Have, right, well, it doesn't have a big reach because it's not in any stores because of the problems with the cover so far. Hopefully we're going to get that figured out. We don't have it figured out yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 get, uh, I get different, for example, I get emails that say, oh, my, my child got your book and, and disappeared for three or five days, depending on their age. Or uh, I get emails from kids that um, I, I have read your book for the fifth time and I'm really enjoying it, and yada, yada, yada. Then uh, I get the people who are older who have read it from cover to cover, and they're having kind of a, a religious experience, and they send me this really heartfelt email. I think that's never happened before to me. Then there's the group that gets to about chapter four or five and says, uh, this is too much like Harry Potter and it's a ripoff. Some, some, some kid in India wrote this scathing review because of that, but he never got past chapter five. Then the most unusual reader is the person who has sent me an email saying that this was a Harry Potter ripoff and uh, they stopped at chapter four or five then they send me an email that says, I'm, I'm writing to apologize to you. <laughs> I'm writing, and I've, I've gotten this about, oh, it must be two dozen times now. I went back to the book. I read it from cover to cover. I was very, very wrong. I apologize. I am sincerely sorry for the email that I sent you. But I don't take these things personal because I'm a media guy, and I live and work in the media world, and there's just there's no reason for me to take anything personal. So if you don't like the book, I don't take offense to that. Well, I I say I find writing books it it it's your like little baby. It's your baby, but obviously you want people to like your book because a you put the effort in, and you you expect um, people to get the essence of your book at least. I'm kind of used to rejection, though, because I think in the last 20 years I've written somewhere between three and 4,000 scripts. Um, all but maybe 800 of them were rejected, and I've produced of those scripts that I've written somewhere between three or 400, and somebody else produced the rest. And so uh, what you get 
but the time is rejection. Do you do you find that the world of media helped you write the book, or just didn't help you write the book in any shape or any form? It certainly trained me in the structure of writing a book. Um, clearly, uh, um, my structure is not the same as everybody else's. At least I, I haven't seen it yet. Each chapter in my book is a story unto itself, which leads to the next story. So there isn't a lot of jumping around. And uh, you get excited by what you're reading, so you want to see what the next story is going to be like. And um, so Rowling doesn't do that. She, she brings up issues from past chapters and gives hints as to what's coming. I... I write, I've written 22 individually, individual stories, and I put them together in order, and that's basically how I've written this book. Um, also, uh, as you said earlier, you find that when you write a book, when I first wrote my first book, it's finding a, the way to write the book, you know, because... You you look at other people's work, and of course you you don't want to be too much like them, but you you got to get like a structure that works. Right. Well, I would say that there's two chapters that like Potter in my book, and one is the um, where he goes shopping. Okay, and um, we don't shop in alleys. In America, we have malls, and so he goes to a mall, and um, in that sense, um, he is also, all, all, what else he has in, in common with Potter is that he is an orphan, just like Potter is an orphan, but he didn't grow up in a household with uh, uh, scathing um, relatives, everyone in his household loves him, okay, he gets along with everybody. Not everybody gets along with him, but he, he definitely has a loving family, okay? And when he loses them, it, it's tragic. So he's off shopping, and people relate to shopping event, uh, Otter, but even that event um, is, is very different. Uh, they say uh, going to the bank and claiming your fortune um, is too close to Potter, but, I mean, if you're an orphan, you're, you're going to get your inheritance. So it, it's, it's just a brief work in the entire story, but people tend to focus on that kind of thing. And then the third thing is, is that he, he does go on a train uh, to the Griffin Valley originally, and um, but modes of transportation are kind of universal between the United States and the UK. So while people have also focused on that, um, it's... Uh, Then once he gets into the valley, uh, people are, well, this is going to be about him going to school, and it's not. It's not a story about um, Luke uh, going to school. It's actually, one, of summer camp, and two, you're qualifying to attend school, okay? And uh, it's, it's really, really hard to qualify to attend this school. Uh, a large portion of people, they have a, a bell outside, and when you want to get out, you just walk out of your barracks, hit the bell and you leave, you're done. So, 
because he's, he's a gifted he's a gifted child. He's, he's a very gifted twelve year old, and, uh, and and there's good reasons for that. The story goes into that, but these are the areas that people tend to uh, focus on when they complain uh, this is too much like Potter. Uh, but they're the smallest part of the book. But every book that anybody who's right written or wrote or whatever. There is elements you're going to see. You think, oh, he borrowed that, he borrowed this. It's like songs or TV programs. You know, you're going to borrow a little bit from somewhere. Not intentionally, it's never intentionally. But you, you watch a TV program and sometimes you think, oh, that reminds me of where they, uh, they borrowed that little bit from that program. But they extended it a bit. wrong with it i i think that's what's the world is it's like repeat sometimes um if it's a, if you were lucky enough as you know in your world to say someone come along and said hey i want to make a film version of your book and they said to you right as you know in the world of film you can't always have the whole book sometimes they have to condense it into a two-hour or hour and a half film or series, uh, would you prefer they kept religiously more or less in the book, or would you mind if they take took things out just to adapt it for TV or film? Well, my, my most precious skill is writing scripts. So this is uh, probably a three-script book, and script one is already written. Yeah, I, 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 
I admire that you got that skill because it, it, I've read a lot of scripts, transcripts of films. And um, when you read the transcript of a film, it, it, you, you, cannot, you can't always see the vision until you actually see the film. Yeah, when it says, uh, train appears in the distance, or man walks across the road, you know, that kind of thing. script I, I worked in Hollywood for almost three years and I know from experience that um, every script is actually three scripts it's the one you wrote it's the one you shot and then it's the one you wound up editing so it's, it's actually three different things they you try to see them come together as one vision but that's almost impossible um, because writing is an art unto itself that doesn't necessarily adapt itself to shooting um, film or video. And uh, editing is an art unto itself. And uh, you, you use the video or the uh, film that's been shot as your, as your brush. Your, and uh, yet it doesn't come, always come out the way to shoot what it does. So it's always three di different things. And, um, that tends to rub authors who have no experience in L.A. like I have, or in television like I have two decades of, it tends to rub them the wrong way. It's, you know, uh, Stephen King always said that he never liked the movie The Shining the way it came out, and uh, that was his first experience with it, and uh, that's, that's a pretty common thing to have happen. But uh, not me, uh, because I, I come from that world to the book world. So that's a good experience, isn't it? I, I like I like the fact that you can adapt to that. That's very good. Now, um, do you think that um, it's easier now to produce a pre programs and books because of all the little apps and devices you can get that you can create your own books now from e-publishing or whatever. Do you think it's easier or do you think it's become inundated with too much rubbish? There's nothing easy about producing media. Nothing. Um, shooting uh, a video people look, they see, and they say, and I've heard this for three decades now, um, oh, I could do that. Uh, when I worked in the newsrooms of, you know, ABC, New York, and CBS, um, Washington, Richmond, I heard all the time, you know, I could be a photographer, I could do that. And uh, I said to them, well, come on, you can come out with me and give it a try. Um, people don't understand uh, these photographers um, you have to have some kind of gift because you're going to get an assignment sometime between 9 and 10 in the morning you have to go out to that assignment shoot enough of video to cover uh, one and a half minute um, news clip you have to come back you have to get your script from the reporter 
and then you have to edit everything to that script and get it up for broadcast. So you have from 9 to 4 p.m. in the afternoon to do all this stuff. And uh, people just haven't got a clue just how difficult it really and truly is. These photographers are really gifted people. And then when I moved over into the world of producing uh, uh, TV commercials, I was, you know, cursed with having to deal with account executives. Uh, there's no doubt that account executives are the most important uh, people in media because they go out and make the sales and bring in the money. So their importance cannot be overstated. Uh, the problem is, is that they're full of themselves, and in some markets you're lucky if they have a high school education. They're just really good at one thing, selling. And so when they, they come into your studio and they, they try to give you notes or suggestions or tell you why I could do that, uh, it gets a little annoying because they haven't got a clue. And on more than one occasion, it says, look, if you think you can do this, yeah, I, I don't mind. Uh, I actually do mind. I just wanted to teach them a lesson of just how really difficult this is. And then when you work in the world of TV commercials, uh, your job isn't just to produce these wonderful videos that people watch 30 seconds at a time on their television. You're creating an ad campaign. Somebody is uh, paying somewhere between $30,000 and $3 million per week to have that uh, media out being broadcast. And uh, you have to have a particular audience reach there's a science behind that, uh, so if you haven't had statistics, you surely do not want to be a TV commercial producer. And as long as you understand statistics and understand audience reach, you can send that client after the people he wants the most contact. But if you screw up one time, just once, you've screwed up a $30,000 to $3 million a week campaign. Basically, <laughs> your career is over. No mistakes are allowed. <laughs> Just that simple. What advice would you give to people that, um, say they're writing their first book, and you th uh, what would you say to them you would pass on a little bit of knowledge? Uh, <clears throat> write your first chapter. Uh, that's what's in your head and what you know. Okay, uh, it's going to be between 1,500 and 3,000 words, basic structure. Now, you can come back to it and add and take away, edit it any way you want, but get those first 1,500 to 3,000 words down on paper or on your computer. And keep in mind that the first chapter you write isn't necessarily chapter number one. Okay, the first chapter I wrote and and Amade, um, was chapter three. So, when I finished my first chapter, I was on chapter three, and so I had to figure out exactly what chapters two and one were going to be. And I didn't figure out what chapters two and one were going to be until after I had written chapter seven. So, 
keep in mind that you must be flexible. You have to keep in mind that you're not writing chapter to chapter, you're telling a story. And you may find out that you've written a chapter and after you've put it down and walked away from it and gone back to it a week later, you may discover that you've actually written two, two chapters. And then you split them up and you, and, you, and you create a beginning to each and an end to each, and then you have two independent chapters. Okay? Um, writing is an is a art. It's not a number. Okay? Worry about the numbers after you have your chapters. And I don't know anybody who starts on... I've never met anyone who actually started on chapter number one. What would you prefer, self-publishing or going for a publisher? Uh, you have to give up a lot of control to go to a publisher. Okay? And uh, I've met people who have done that. My first word to a publisher who's interested in this is, what is your budget? And what is your timetable? And um, if the budget is inadequate and the timetable is inadequate, then you have no choice uh, but to self-publish. And the most successful platform for doing that, whether you like it or not, is Amazon. I quite agree there. It's, you get more percentage from Amazon than anywhere else. I'm not really worried about percentages. I'm, I'm more worried about audience reach. Mm. So I can create an ad campaign on Facebook and Twitter, uh, go after my target audience, and I can just send them to the um, Amazon page, and Amazon does all my fulfillment. I don't have to worry about that. Fulfillment used to be the big thing. You know, 10, 15 years ago, it was the biggest problem. And Amazon has marginalized that problem. And so that's, that's the answer to their big success. It was always a middleman uh, doing, the, um, doing the distribution. So because publishers don't do distribution. So um, now uh, you, you don't have to have uh, a publisher. You can do it yourself. Um, but People who read self-published books, they have to be prepared that within those books uh, there are going to be mistakes. Uh, we're not all English majors. Uh, there are dangling participles to be found, maybe even misspelled words. The book is about the story. <coughs> it's uh, not, not English 101 or 102. The story. I agree there because what I do is I use um, spell check and grammar check, the free ones online.
and um, you have characters talking uh, a particular way. And um, if, if that sentence is as much about the character of the individual who's talking as it is about the subject that you're talking about, then you're going to get slang, you're going to get fragmented sentences, um, but, you know, there are, there, you know there, there are people out there that they would edit Tom Sawyer for the slang. So it, those are individuals you could never please. Do you prefer a, a practical book or a Kindle book? And would you do, have you done an audio book or considered doing an audio book? Um, I have not ever done an audio book. I would, I would pick a voiceover artist to do that for me uh, because there are people out there who are so much better at it than I am. That's what I like about Kindle. I mean, I know people knock it, but it's a lot of way easier way to access a book. That say you're on a holiday and you don't want to take like fifteen books with you, you just sign on the Kindle and go read a book. For that, and uh, Kindle is very economical in, in poor countries like India. Uh, you want the kids there to read, read. I want the kids there to read Amadei also, and so. You have to be flexible, and the only way you can be flexible in, in poorer countries is if they have the electronic books available to them. I, I'd love to be able to, to print uh, a copy of Amadei for um, everyone, all the kids in India who are enjoying themselves on their story so much, but um, it's economically impossible. So no, sorry, the, Kindle, yeah. right, the, the Kindle is a means to an end in, in that. Um, well, I, I'm glad I, I finally figured out how to do Kindle. The problem I found with the publishing bit is not the actual book; it's the um, the bank codes and all that. I had to find my bank code, my IBM, and my bit number. And once I got that, it was easy. Did you, have you enjoyed your media career? Is there any part of your media career you think you've ever had like a really weird thing, event happen to you and you're thinking, why am I here? What am I doing here? games and watching games in person, but I've never liked them on television, okay? 
and um, in te television newsrooms, uh, the sports department is always on the other side of the building. Okay, and the reason that is is because they tend to be very loud and very rude, and the women are just as bad as the men. So they, they're always someplace else in the building. At ABC New York, they had their own floor. <laughs> they had their own. It's they like, go play. away. We don't want to know you. They their own floor, and everybody stays away from that floor. That floor. So um, what, what kept happening when I was covering stories in Washington, D.C., and, and Richmond, Newport News, um, the assignment editor kept sending me out on sports assignments, uh, particularly when it comes to things like NASCAR and um, college basketball. Um, and I, you know, I had to have a sit-down meeting with him and the news director and the producers, and I said, you know, I'm not a sports guy. You have your own sports department, all right? Why are you sending, I mean, you got your own photographers over there, your own reporters, why are you sending me out to a NASCAR track, which is just the most sound, annoying place anyone has ever been? I mean, take your earplugs with you. Um, if, if you have all these so-called sports professionals, what, what did you hire me for? And the honest answer came back, you're not a sports fan. We're looking for particular type of interview, uh, and if we send one of the sports guys over to do it, it's going to be a hero worship piece, okay? We're not interested in hero worship pieces. We, we want straight up questions. Our audience wants to hear the answers, not how great somebody is, and that's why I kept getting sent out, and I surely did not like those assignments, okay? I most definitely there was one time at Southern Illinois University um, where there was something wrong with the camera at the basketball game. And I came back with blue video. And uh, that camera went off to the shop and to get fixed, but I was stuck with blue video. And this was still analog time, so I couldn't correct it. So I, I, took, I, pulled, I pulled out the tapes from the previous year with the same people, the same team, the same outcome, saying the same exact thing. So I edited from those, and nobody was ever the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I call that being innovative. Okay. So, but well, I understand. I understand that sports is very important to a lot of people, and, and I'm not trying to. Um, you know, pee on your parade in any way, shape, or form. I understand it's important, and I respect that. It's just that I am not a television sports fan. I'm well, happy to take tickets to a major event, but uh, and, and I would go too. But I, I'm just when it comes to television, I'm simply not a sports fan. What do you think of the current events that's happened lately in the news about the bombing of that bloke in Iraq? That 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 man he blow bombed that general. I know about the story. The uh, the uh, major general from Iran who got blown up. 
Do you think that they will retaliate? Yeah, sure you will. Look, Trump's been provoking them since he, you know, Responded by attacking and killing Americans in Iraq. Um, I know for a fact that Bush wanted to kill this guy. I know for a fact that Obama wanted to kill this guy, and uh, both of them elected not to, even though they knew this guy was responsible for so, so many deaths, so many Americans, and uh, Trump just went to hell with it. Now, have you got any other books that you would like to mention that you have written or not? I will. I was actually on a national talk show uh, last night, and they wanted to talk to me about my book, The Human Quantum Leap, which was published um, almost 10 years ago. I told them that I had to revamp it and um, redistribute it uh, through Amazon. And... Um, I told him over the next 30 days I'll try to get that done. Uh, the Human Quantum Leap is not a fiction. Uh, it feels, it's actually me acting as a reporter about an individual I met when I was in the Marine Corps who allegedly, let me use that word alleged, okay, was the bodyguard of an alien, an extraterrestrial, a person not born on this earth. So, so it's just me acting as a reporter, simply sharing what this guy shared with me. And apparently they had a million listeners last night. I was going, a million listeners? Oh, my God. So, the minute you mention aliens, people go, ding. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
word alleged. That type of thing you find interesting, everyone should be looking forward over the next 30 to 90 days of the reissue of the Human Quantum Leap. Well, I, co I cover, well, as you may know, or may not know, I cover lots of things on my show, like cryptozoology, uh, Bigfoot, aliens, conspiracy theories, authors, singing, music. I do a little bit of horror hosting on the side. So, yeah. advantage of these shows because I think with podcasting well this is my personal opinion you we can go a little bit further than a normal radio show because radio shows are a bit constricted because of adverts and um, sponsorships so they have to have like a little advert in between the show and sometimes it can make it feel disjointed if you know what I mean I wish I could do that, but the the most I've ever got was when I was on Anchor FM. I think I got up to forty five thousand downloads. No, I'm recording now on my smartphone, and I'm using an Amazon Fire tablet to the Zoom, and I go. I'm on Red Circle Podcast, which is a very new one. Which I can put on YouTube, so it'd be on YouTube, so you can listen to it on YouTube. And I can do it, and I can do it on a. I do a blog as well, which I put it on as well, and I'll send you that. Where are you physically in the world? Where am I physically in the world? A place called Holsworthy, in England, which is like, if you look at England like that old man carrying a pig to the market. Where the pig trotters end. Okay. Well, I, I in England, I, I judge everything one from London and two from the um, Scottish English border. Those are my two primary reference points. Oh, 
Cornwall because it's off by itself. And so yeah, we, we're right next to Cornwall. We're right with the road. Because the, the Tamar Bridge uh, River, it goes a lot of corners. We've got Lawson is only up the road. That's Cornwall. Bew's up the road. That's Cornwall. No, I grew up in a place called S- South End on Sea, which is in Essex. So that's why I got an Essex Devon accent. Oh, okay. What kind of accent do I have? I would call it Western American. Western American. But well, I haven't seen y'all one time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not very good with American accents. It's like everything. You when you watch TV, they. You, they have the, I, they always have the British guy as the bad guy. <laughs> it's like they, it's compulsory in films and in in TV series. They have to have the British guy as the bad guy. The first, Jedi, the first Jedi back in 1975, he was British. He was yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a great fan of, well, I, I'll be honest, I'm a great fan of wrestling. I know it's the, the WWE and TNA and all that. I am a great fan. Of, I, I, I know it's all... Culture is polluting the planet, no doubt about it. I, I, I just like the fact it's a good old-fashioned good guy versus bad guy. And you know it's all... Yeah, I'm not going to say it's completely fake because I won't get in the ring with them because they'd probably destroy me. But they have to know the moves. But they do know it's like a little show. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. So somebody has to be doing something right. Yeah. uh, So uh, what links would you like to give out to people who are listening just in case... um, they say, oh, where can we find your book? Well, it's, you see in the background there, Amade. That's the way it's spelled, A-M-A-D-A. Okay, the boy uh, no one knew about. And to find it, um, you need only go to uh, amadebook.com. Amade book, that's, it's just that simple. www.amadebook.com. And you can either read it there or you can um, pick the, uh, the buy, which will take you to the Amazon page. Um, it's a little easier um, to read it on the Amazon page because I'm not particularly good at web pages. So, um, or if you're a Kindle fan, there's a Kindle button also on that page. If you're looking um, for me, that's, um, I'm AJ Ensor, E-N-S-O-R. Um, and you can just go to ajensor.com. There I am. There's all the contact information. Um, I'm not hard to find. Or you can just go to, to Google and type ajensor into Google. Who I am is, is no big secret. Uh, you, you, you're secretly like a, a, an alien writing this book, and you're thinking, I'll get away with it. 
more I'm more worried about my next video edit and getting it on time than I than I am on any of this stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I, I actually have to have an alarm. Like for example, I emailed you earlier today to say, "Oh, are we gonna are we gonna do this today?" And um, uh, so I had already had you scheduled in. Oh, that's good. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Because sometimes I've, I have been known to schedule a show and they don't turn up. <laughs> and it, I'm, sure, I'm sure it is something personal, but I wouldn't know what that was. But it, but well, it, it does get a bit annoying. But I won't like, swear on radio, but it does get well, annoying. I have to make political um, um, videos for campaigns all the time, so... I am a professional analyst when it comes to uh, media. So if you, if you have the urge to talk politics on any level, because there is an election coming up that people want to know, and you want to you want to do that with me, as long as we get a good schedule going, it's uh, it's, it's no no big deal. Uh, you, uh, uh, a couple of months ago, um, I wrote uh, an article that was published uh, called uh, "Avoiding the Next American Civil War." And uh, it was simply um, how I went about the first Monday in September 2016, how I went about deciding that Trump was going to win the election and uh, how that was possible. Because I, now, the election didn't roll the way I thought it was going to roll. The outcome was the same. Uh, and so I go into why... Americans would choose somebody like Trump. So, if you'd like to do a, a program about that, uh, um, I would be happy to cooperate. Uh, Did you say about your human quantum leap confessions of a former intelligent operative? Right, oh, so you found it. I have found uh, it. Look at, look at you. Look at you. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so. Um, so, I'm going to say. Can I do an extract from that book and your other book that we've just been talking about? Sure. As long as that's okay by you? Oh, no, yeah, just, just stay in touch with the email and let me know when you want to do something. Uh, what I'll do, I'll send it to you for your, well, obviously, if you say, sorry, mate, that was rubbish, I'll take it off. I don't mind. It's, it's always free. I don't charge for nothing. I don't. I just like doing books. I just like reading things, because I write my own stuff. I know what it's like. So, I do. I I look at I I look at it like this. If I can help you, you help me, and that's how the world works. Right, right, and and you seem to be very tolerant of Americans. Um, my my friends down in, in South Africa they refer to Americans as stupid people. Well, my opinion is. We're all the same. You're going to meet. Uh, we we all we all born. We live the middle bit. We'll die. That's it. Right. I, I don't mind these things. All these little comments and stuff. You know. Um. I've been on a couple of Aussie uh, podcasts too, and those can get quite rude. I still don't care. <laughs> so um. Well, I think we can. We've covered most of the things we wanted to talk about today. And I will get back to you about doing another show. Because we will do a politic bit one day. And I, I might even talk about Brexit with you. Well, that would be exciting. Well, I, I, I didn't predict Brexit. I, I knew how the vote was going to go. Uh, I didn't predict it. I, 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 I
was expecting that. I had uh, $15,000 standing by. I, 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 I bought uh, Sterling, and uh, in 90 days, I doubled my money. <laughs> well, there you are. <laughs> so, um, before we go, I, I normally like to ask the guests to do, like, a unique sign-off, like, like, anything you would like to say, um, tell a joke, Juggle some balls in the air. I don't know. Whatever you'd like to do. I, 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 don't, I don't think I have any of Nobody's ever asked me that one before. Yeah, I see. I've asked a question that you've never been asked. Right. You know, that's a, that's a good one. I don't... I, don't, uh, um, I would tell everybody that this next year, politically, is going to be very difficult. Um... Back in 2016, uh, I had statistically knew simply because the state of Wisconsin was going to vote for Donald Trump. I knew this absolutely. I knew this the, the first Monday in September 2016, and I knew that statistically that made it impossible for Clinton to have won that election. So all the things that happened, the FBI, all the Russia, all the whatever, do whatever you whatever you um, consider to go back over as, as finger pointing, this is the reason Hillary didn't win. I'm telling you, she was never going to win. Because Wisconsin, even though it has very few electoral votes, okay, it's statistically significant, which means neither candidate would have gotten sufficient electoral votes to become president, which would have pushed, pushed the entire election into the House of Representatives, at that time dominated by Republicans, and Trump would have been president anyway. There was never a time, statistically, Hillary Clinton was going to be the president. Of the well, he's going to be your next president anyway next time, so... Americans are just 
reverse some of those policies, uh, including things like, say, homosexual marriage. Uh, they want to undo that. And uh, that's why Trump appeals to these people, because unlike the Democrats, he's on their side. And the Democrats are most definitely not on their side, and they never will be because the individuals who fund pay the enormous sums of money to the Democrats, um, they will not tolerate it. So either you support their um, policies, which are the so-called liberal progressive policies, or you don't get any money. It's just that simple. And without any money, you can't win. You can't even fight without any money. Well, this is my little end bit for you, my Nick son of to you. Now, I talked to you, and I didn't, I didn't nothing about what your book was about. But then I made a quantum leap to make sure that I did know what it was about. So, please check out the books: Amanda, the boy who never knew, no one knew about, and the Human Quantum Leap: Confessions of a Former Intelligent Operative. Both very interesting and both very different. I don't get one confused the other because you may end up talking to an alien whilst going into a magical land. Good night and thank you and goodbye.